Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. for joining us again on the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Alstead, here with co-host Keith Myers. We're back again, win number four in the books, and uh, we're ready to talk Seahawks football, Keith. Yeah, win number four. It's a To me, that's a big one because they the team didn't play as well. The offense, you know, stumbled at times. It made some, you know, big mistakes. Um, the defense was still rough, but you could tell there were some schematic adjustments that were made to handle all the injuries and that actually worked out fairly promising. Uh, and so, you know, it was, it, it wasn't pretty, but they won. And well, and they played an inferior team. Well, true. You know. And, but that's the thing is you, you can, it, it, it always play, it always feels great to play well and win. Um, but good teams win when they don't play well. And that's what happened. Um, they, they pushed it, their record to four and um, they have continued to beat the team that's in front of them and, you know, dealing with all the injuries and all the problems that they've had in the secondary, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they just keep getting W's. So, yeah, I mean, that's all you can ask for your team. You just got to go and beat the, the team that's put in front of you every week. And, and the Seahawks are certainly taking care of business that way. I, I would argue that they didn't play as bad as it seemed yeah they did sputter a little bit but you got to give credit to uh the dolphins the dolphins offense is not horrible they're not premier but uh they can move the ball on you uh in fits and spurts when they don't make mistakes the mistakes is what kills the dolphins on their offense and their defense isn't horrible again but it's not it's not ready for prime time they've got some pieces there i think another off season will help them uh kind of put that together a little bit better um, yeah, so let's talk about the Dolphins game coming up. We've got a game coming up uh, on Sunday night football uh, against the Minnesota Vikings at CenturyLink Field. We're going to get into all of that and um, just the comings and goings of the week as we normally open up with um, and, a, and a few fun stats and, and kind of to put everything in perspective. So uh, today... The Seahawks had a couple of personnel moves and um, a couple of interesting visitors. And I want to talk about that just real quick. So the Seahawks released DeMarcus Christmas, original sixth round pick from 2019, originally cut out of, um, out of camp and then uh, re-signed to the practice squad. They released him from the practice squad this week. They currently have a couple of openings there. Uh, they did protect this week uh, Gavin Hels- uh, Heslop, a cornerback and Demarcus Randall, the safety, uh, are protected this week and probably will likely get activated onto the roster. Uh, that usually is an indicator. And then visits uh, wise, snacks Harrison, Damian Harrison finally entered the building today. No word yet as of recording how that visit is going. Uh, I would imagine, however, given the long term interest in this particular subject, uh, if they can come to terms seems like it would be a likely signing Keith what are your thoughts on Harrison being assigned to the Seahawks if it happens well it's going to come down to money I mean this is a guy who um, is only out there because he 
he kind of retired. He, um, and, and then COVID and then, happened. And yeah, with, with all of that stuff happening, he was just like, yeah, he's going to retire. And then he was like, mm, you know what? Never mind. I want to play. And so now he's, um, you know, looking around. And right now he has visits lighting up with Seattle, which he was supposed to come in last week. And I never heard why he chose not to, but he didn't. Um, but he's in Seattle now. And then uh, next, uh, he's got a, a, a visit lined up to Green Bay. And you have to think that if he leaves Seattle and gets to Green Bay, he's not going to leave there. But if he does, um, the Bears are also interested. So it's not like Seattle's his only option. And so he's probably going to ask for some money, uh, more than like, you know, a league minimum kind of deal, which is what you normally sign to guys to at this point in the the year. But, you know, it's going to come down to, is the team willing to pay that for a, you know, run stuffing defensive tackle? Now, a great former first team all pro run stuffing defensive tackle, but a run stuffing defensive tackle nonetheless. And Honestly, they have a lot of problems on the defensive line, but a run-stuffing defensive tackle is not the, that problem. Um, although what, what I would hope is that if they do end up signing him, it come, becomes um, where Jerron Reed becomes a pass rush specialist like he was a couple of years ago, and they, they just turn him loose um, and, and try and generate some inside pass rush that way instead of asking Reed to do everything. Uh, we'll see. Um it's definitely a possibility, but it's not necessarily the the perfect fit for Seattle. They need pass rushers. Yeah, but here's a guy on the interior, Keith, that can gobble up double teams like nobody's business. And if you can throw, uh, you know, two million dollars at this guy or two and a half million dollars, uh, you know, uh, for the rest of the year with a million of that guaranteed, um, some nice incentives thrown in there, playing for a Super Bowl contender, obviously. Um, I would do it because I think that he makes everybody around you better. Um, in addition, he's still a really good player. I watched oh, yeah. some highlights from 2019. He's a, he's a machine as far as, like I said, taking those double teams, tackling, uh, running backs for losses, blowing up offensive lines, disrupting timing. Uh, he doesn't get to the quarterback. Uh, very much, but he can disrupt that pocket a little bit. He also allows those outside rushers and a guy like uh, sitting in the middle, like Bobby Wagner, have the ability to play to their to their strengths, and that um, you know taking a little pressure off the guys on the on the outside or the guys that kind of uh, go from the outside and swing inside on stunts. He's he's a guy that helps them be able to achieve the goal of getting to the quarterback. So. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm I'm not against I'm not against him in any way. It's yeah, and right. and if you can bring in a guy that's that good, you do it. Um, I'm just saying that when it comes to need, right? Uh, the Seahawks right now need a cornerback and they need pass rushers. Um, and like those are two things that I think this team definitely needs uh, bodies at those positions. They don't seem to be bringing those guys in though. That's for because visits. those guys aren't available. Not at the not at the talent level they need. You know, I mean, you, you get a guy like Snacks Harrison to come in, um, you do it because he's talented enough. He makes your team better, right? He makes your roster better. But find me a pass rusher that's available that uh, is better than Benson Mayoa, who he'd be, you know, displacing uh, out of that position. You're not going to find one at this time of the year. 
Fair That's enough. The problem. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Another interesting name, uh, familiar name, is uh, Michael Kendricks, uh, also in for a visit today. Um, I have mixed feelings about this one. I think he's asked to play out of position a lot last year out of that base defense that required him to drop back into coverage way too much for my liking. He's, he's decent at that, but when he's also responsible for, for coming up on, on the line of scrimmage and playing in the box, it seems like he was just kind of pulled in too many different directions, and it showed last year. I mean, he led the league for most of the season in missed tackles. Mm-hmm. His coverage uh, dropped off considerably from 2018, and then he ended with the ACL, I believe, correct? And, and so uh, we don't know exactly where he's at medically. Interesting tidbit as well. He's also scheduled to be um, sentenced next Wednesday. Currently next Wednesday, he finds out finally after, what is it, four or five years, uh, what his sentence is on that insider trading thing that he had going on in the background for his duration with the Seahawks. Uh, that's kind of coming out. So I don't expect him, if, if they're truly interested in him this week, I don't expect he's signed this week. I do expect, though, that if he if he clears up, um, it might be a better option than Cody Barton if Jordan Brooks is out for an extended period of time. Well, so, okay, um, the, the insider trader thing, like, he has, he's, uh, come out and said, yes, he did it. He didn't understand that that's what, what it, what it was that he was doing and that it was wrong. He's paid back all the money. He's done all of that stuff. And one of his co-defendants in the case who was a little less contrite about what happened, just got three years probation and, and no, anything and nothing else. Um, and so it looked, you know, all things considered, he would probably be in line to get that or less. Um, and so the likelihood that he doesn't, isn't available to play, I think is really low, but you're right. It might be one of those things where they come to terms, they agree to terms, but they wait until next Wednesday to do anything officially, or they, you know, sign him with, on the, with a condition in his, uh, contract that if he is sentenced and has to miss time, his contract's automatically avoided and they owe him, they don't owe him a dime or, you know, something like that. Um, but you know what? Last year he was pretty bad. I mean, he was, he was, um, he was, could not tackle anyone and just looked out of place and, and looked lost. And the defense actually got a little better when he got hurt and Cody Barton came in. Um, now they could probably use him. In you know, a limited depends. role. In you a know. Limit, yeah. But the thing is, if you go back two years ago, when he signed about now, um, when the Seahawks were desperate for um, some help at um, at linebacker next to, to Bobby Wagner, he came in and... That was played. when K.J. Wright had a knee and he was out all, all of, what, like 12 games or something like that? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, he came in and played really well. He played on the weak side linebacker, which is KJ Wright's, um, you know, that's a position that KJ's had forever. Um, and played really well. They also brought him up and had him rush the passer. And he had, he showed some, some definite, uh, you know, ability to get around the corner and make, you know, get some pressure that way. I think if they come in, bring him in in a limited role, especially as a pass rusher, um, you know, as a situational edge guy, um, he's going to be a good fit. I mean, this is all assuming that his, as long as his ACL. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
The other thing which which kind of plays into this is that so last year KJ played the the, the weak side and they made Kendricks play out of position at the strong side and, and as you said and that led to some pretty bad things for Kendricks but this year they've moved KJ already from the uh, the weak side over to the strong side so KJ Wright played the strong side linebacker in this last game which freed up um, so that Cody Barton could play a more natural position of his at the weak side. Um, it worked out for KJ, not so hurt, much for. Yeah, it worked Barton. out for KJ. KJ Wright probably had his best game in three years. I mean, yep. he was phenomenal yeah. in that yeah, game. He could have had what three picks? Yeah, could have two I mean, easily. Right? He was he was always in position. He was making plays behind the line of of scrimmage um, against the run. God, he had a great game. And the week before, I I'd said that he, I thought he looked old and slow, and that the knee was bothering him. And I didn't see any of that this week like he just looked explosive and now that this was a great game he also had a couple of nice very uh strong hits Mm -hmm. in in the tackling game um i was impressed and so if you actually go back to um you know kj's first couple of years in the league he started out as a strong side linebacker and they moved him over to to um the weak side after a couple of years. So he's, it's not like this is new to him. He's played there. He's played there at a high level before. Uh, okay. It's been a few years, but he has played that position at a high level and he showed on uh, Sunday that he can still play it at a high level. Um, so if he's going to continue to play on that side, maybe Kendricks could play on the weak side, which is more natural position for him. And we can have more of the 2018 Kendricks and less of the 2019 Kendricks. I think it's all going to be on Jordan Brooks. I mean, you don't want to stifle that guy by putting Mm-mm. Kendricks in there and having Kendricks play all year and, and losing all those developmental snaps with Brooks. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it comes um, to Brooks' ankle. If he's going yeah. to be out for a while, it doesn't hurt to have another body. I, I believe that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and you also got to re- remember that um, Bruce Irvin was the starter at the beginning of the year, and he's out, he's on injured reserve and his season's done. Um, so they're down two linebackers right now, and and that explains why Kendricks is getting a look. In addition, you've got um, Jamal Adams, you know, still still out and nursing uh, the groin, and it uh, looks like he'd probably likely be out this game and then a, the bye week, and then we'll see what happens. Um, so, you know, in the middle there, close to the line of scrimmage, we're missing a lot of a lot of talent. So. so yeah, a lot of talent. Uh, I had another interesting tidbit too. Um, and I caught this name. I normally don't dig this far into the workout, uh, regime for the Seahawks, but this week somehow I did my, my eye was drawn to DeMarcus AC. Uh, the defensive back came in for a workout. Now, the reason that I, I was kind of drawn to this is when we did all those kind of, uh, prospect shows back in the spring, DeMarcus Acey was one of those guys that I was looking at as a developmental corner that we would draft, you know, in the fifth, sixth, seventh round to kind of um, come in, uh, be able to develop as a, as a long uh, press kind of corner. And he fit the bill and uh, he was always hanging around in my mock drafts and so forth. So uh saw that he was coming in. He actually went to the 49ers as an undrafted rookie free agent and was cut out of camp. But, uh, for a long time in camp, he was their number one developmental kind of prospect uh, that was the undrafted guy that everyone really kind of wanted to hang around the team. He didn't make the cut, and he was in for a, a visit. Uh, Athlon Sports uh, ranked uh, AC as the number 89 overall prospect in the 2020 draft. Um, and there were a number of other uh, publications and, and uh, sports blogs out there that had him 
you know, in the top 150 uh, prospects overall, the top 20 corners, and he just dropped for whatever reason his developmental um, stats and so forth in his senior year um, were less than his uh, sophomore and junior campaigns. And so he kind of dropped off the radar a little bit, but it's a very interesting um, invite. It, with two practice squad openings available, it wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks kind of sign him, bring him in for a couple of weeks and see what he's got. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it couldn't hurt. You got a guy with, with, with talent and fits the athletic um, and physical profile, bring him in, let him see what he can do. Especially when you've called um, guys like Neil up from mm. the practice squad. So now you're, and you've got other defensive backs that are, you know, not practicing or whatever you need bodies at the position and uh, bring him in, see what happens. Um, speaking of Neil, can I just give the guy a shout out because he wasn't even on the roster through two weeks. He got called up, uh, in week three, um, as a, you know, end of the week call up from practice squad. And by week four, he's starting strong safety. And that kid played well. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. he, He played really well like that. Him getting the start made me a little nervous because I'm like, okay, that's, that's a weakness. You're going to see the other team attack. And he was not the weakness of the defense. There was a lot of weaknesses on that defense, but it was not him and it was not KJ Wright. Those guys played pretty, those guys both played really well in this game. Yeah. No, I mean, I've had my eye on Neil for, for a while now. I, I thought in the spring that he would be one of those candidates that would, that would stick and uh, didn't make it out of training camp, but he's certainly making it difficult for the team now to send him you know, back to the practice squad. I think he may be on the roster to stick. We'll find out what happens when Jamal Adams comes back. Um, just some some tidbits um, and, and some comments, Keith. Seahawks have generated eight takeaways this season. Six of those eight takeaways have been converted into touchdowns. Uh, and the other two led to game-ending kneel downs. Seahawks are uh, finding ways on defense to be able to take the ball away and basically kind of help the team put uh, put away games at the end. Um, and I and that's a good thing uh, because uh, if you're not going to be able to get to the quarterback and you're not going to generate a lot of uh, unconverted third downs, uh, those takeaways really help give that ball back to one of the best quarterbacks in the business, if not the best quarterback in Russell Wilson. Well, you're saying like, um, yeah, six of those eight um, – interceptions have led to touchdowns and I'm, I'm sitting in my head thinking, I'm like, okay, that's 75%. How, how, what's the percentage of the Seahawk drives in total that lead to touchdowns? And I'm like, it might be close to 75% the way Wilson has been oh, playing that's crazy. this year. Well, in, um, in the red, in so, the red zone, you know, they convert uh, quite a bit. Now they struggled a little bit, a couple different times. And we'll talk about that um, um, today, but uh, you know, and as far as the defense goes, um, we're allowing a lot of pass yards, Keith, um, you know, in general, uh, teams are able to throw on us and it's just by nature of being up in games as well. Um, but the Seahawks have won 10 straight games against 300 yard passers. So, you know, just generating yards against the Seahawks doesn't necessarily translate into wins. True, but the, these are a lot of yards. They're average. The they're giving up over four hundred yards a game on average, um, and 
that is 60 more yards per game than the second worst mm-hmm. uh, pass defense, which is Atlanta, right? So the Seahawks are giving up like 407 and Atlanta's um, giving up like 357. Like it's, it's that. This has got to average out over time, but you know, as long as we're scoring early and often, um, mm-hmm. we may, this just may be a step that we're just gonna have to live with this year. You know, it'll just be interesting to see if teams will just keep throwing against us. Well, there wasn't there without Adam. We're, we're third, by the way, against the run. And I know. that's as, just as, it seems just as empty as the pass yard stat. <laughs> yeah. You know um, what I mean? Yeah. So the, um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, with Adams being out and Neil being in there, the, the team blitzed a lot less in this game. They played them. They played. Yes, they did. How did you, what did you think? I was going to get, wait until we get to the game to talk about that. But what did you think of that specifically? I actually kind of liked it. They're not, they aren't getting to the quarterback even when they blitz. And so to blitz a little less, play coverage a little more. Keep everything in front. Keep every. They only gave up one explosive play in That's, the entire that, game. That was, you know, it is against the Dolphins. Uh, it is against Fitzpatrick. Uh, but nonetheless, it's encouraging, mm-hmm. I think, um, if they can do that again against Minnesota, for example. Um, although they're going to have to pay attention to a, a, an entirely different type of player uh, with Minnesota. And we'll talk about that. But yeah, um, they, it's, but they, they, they give up a lot of explosive plays the week before and they give up one yeah. in this game. And, and well, that's when you said, you know, they didn't play well and you know, they kind of did play better though, at it, least on defense. I mean, they gave bit. up some yards, but that's a pretty, you know, considering I think the week before they gave up eight. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good improvement. I got yeah, some see, good news for you, Keith. Go for it. The Seahawks only have three games remaining against teams with winning records, and two of those are against the Rams and one against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. This course, season is being set up for us. Arizona spe- and San Francisco are both um, two and two now. Um, how about Arizona losing these last two games against against teams that honestly – I didn't expect would be competitive with Arizona. Arizona's kind of showing that maybe they are closer to what I thought they were um, before this season. And then Russell Wilson, 90th win on Sunday, his uh, in his 132nd game, only Tom Brady, Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw got to 90 wins faster. Uh, you know, he's, he's having a special uh, year. Uh, you know, take a look at everything combined. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, are just, Looking good, four and zero could be five and zero. We we face the Minnesota uh, Vikings this week, uh, coming off the win against the Miami Dolphins. Um, let's talk about uh, the Miami game, Keith. Let's just kind of get right into it. Um, Thirty-one twenty-three uh, didn't quite get to my prediction. I think I had Miami at twenty-four. I said that they couldn't get past 24 and they didn't, but the Seahawks didn't get to my 45 and I thought they would. But if you take a look at the red zone things that they didn't convert, I'm right up there, man. Yeah. That, I mean, they had two red zone, um, two red zone uh, appearances where they did not score, which is weird for this team. This team has been very efficient in the red zone. A couple of mistakes but, that you don't, haven't seen this year yet. Well, uh, an interception and then a, a, a sack taken by Russell Wilson. Yeah, well, the, the on the sack, like you've got it's fourth and three, and I don't have any problem with the team going for it. 
And him, no, me neither. And him taking, From the 18-yard line. And him taking that sack, um, a lot of it had to do, I mean, the pass rush just got to him really quick. Um, Cedric Abuhi was, you know, in at right tackle on that play and just looked like he wasn't ready. He just was unprepared for the speed. I, was that his first snap or was he in earlier in that series? Yeah, I, not, I'm not sure, but he was standing still. Yeah, and and he just got, just guy just blew right around him and Wilson hit his back the back of his drop and thought he was going to have another half a second and didn't. And that it's unfortunate because I mean, the team has gone for it and they have not failed on a fourth down attempt until that one right there. So fourth and three, you got, well, you what got happened Russell on Wilson the interception? What happened on the interception thing? So, okay. So they had more, if you look, they have more um, pass rushers than we had blockers. Um, and so that means someone's going to come free. Wilson has to recognize that, which he did, get the ball out of his hands before the pass rusher can get to him, which he did. Um, the problem is that the read that he made was Metcalf over the middle, and there needed to be a better spot to throw it <laughs> because he threw that in there. He kept it low. He did throw that in tight in coverage. Yeah. You and, know, it, it was tight, but you know, at the same time, his mechanics were a little wonkish oh, yeah. too because he was off, off his back foot or whatever. I mean, he was backing up. He was backpedaling when he threw that. Um, he put it in a good location. He got it down low. He got it out in front of Metcalf, but because he was backing up and could not have any kind of, um, mechanics as far as his uh, feet and all that, um, there was just, there wasn't anything on it. And it just kind of fluttered in there and it gave the defensive back a chance to step in front and make a play. And it was a great play. I think that is lost in this. It wasn't, it wasn't so much yeah. a terrible throw as it was a really, really good play. Um, yeah. by the, no, he by jumped the, the route player. a little bit and then, you know, sometimes that happens. Nonetheless, you know, you, you mentioned that the Seahawks kind of looked uh, not as good, you know, kind of sputtered through this game a little bit, both offensively and defensively. Um, but Wilson still put up decent numbers in his worst game. Uh, <laughs> and I say that facetiously. It's, uh, 360 yards. When that's uh, your worst game, oh, I know. you must be that's really crazy. damn good. Right. 24-34, two TDs, that interception, um, and, and a couple uh, touchdowns, the interception. And then uh, I wanted to mention this, though, because it kind of leads into what we're doing this year that's a little different. Wilson is 50 of 62, 596 yards, six touchdowns on first down so far this year. Um, And that's just in four games. That seems amazing. I'll take that. (laughs) That's crazy. That's a huge amount of success on first down. And it's not so much that Russell Wilson is passing a tremendous amount more than he was last year, but they're passing more on first and second down and earlier in games this year Mm -hmm. what's going on keith and 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 is this sustainable it is it's absolutely sustainable and it's what they should have been doing all along and i they it's a it was a philosophy thing pete carroll didn't want to throw the ball he wanted to run it and ground and pound and and all of that but did pete carroll say we don't want you brian schottenheimer to be successful and so we want to run on first and second down this is part of the philosophy i running on first and second down quote-unquote, establishes the run and creates a formula that is proven to be successful over a long period of time, and by gosh, we're going to stick to it no matter what personnel we have. Honestly, um, 
yes, I think that it's Pete Carroll's philosophy, but it was also Brian Schottenheimer's philosophy. It was why Brian Schottenheimer was hired as offensive coordinator, because his philosophy lined up with Pete Carroll's. And so that's what they did. And part of it was campaigning by Russell Wilson. Um, I was like, you know, look at look at what we do. You know, we're a really good offensive team in the fourth quarter when we actually try to score. When we don't try to score during the first three quarters, we're pretty mediocre. Um, and, you know, for the to the credit of the coaches, they listened, they looked at the results, they looked at the tape, and they go, you know what? We've got something here. Let's go use it. And if it had really blown up in their face the first couple of games, they would have gone back to running the ball. Um, yeah, but, probably. but it didn't blow up in their face. Instead, it blew up into being a historic level of offense. Um, and now it's what the, it's what the team is. The team is a high powered offense. They have the second best, um, offense in the NFL by yards and points. So, uh, you have, you know, the, the proof is there. I mean, it's always, you know, it's one thing to look at the tape and all of that and be like, and have Russell Wilson be like, we're better in this case. Like when the, a couple of years ago, when the, or was it a couple of years last year, when the, uh, the headsets broken and, and Wilson had to call plays and it's like, Oh, they moved it really quickly and scored a touchdown. Um, no problem. Well, guess what? That's the type of offense that Wilson wants to run because it's what he's best at. Well, and they had that same problem in this game. He, he took him down for a, a nice, uh, nice drive and a score, 75 yard drive. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention the other, uh, the other really fun, uh, drive in this game is that, um, they went 75 yards in 21 seconds and scored in this game. <laughs> that was, um, that was crazy. That was I didn't, I thought crazy. for sure they were going to take a kneel down cause they had the ball, you know, after the second half kickoff and no, no, they threw that philosophy out the window as well. They actually are aggressive. They're hunting Keith. Yeah. This is a new look offense. That I really like Yeah, Cause in the, in the past, in, um, really in any year in the past, um, 20, 22 seconds. You've got 20, 21 seconds left. You're up. You get the ball at the end of, or after halftime, you take a knee or you run it up the middle. And if Carson breaks one and, and, you know, takes it 40 yards then okay, well, we'll do something, but other, they wouldn't have done anything with it. But instead, no, there we have seven years of not doing anything with it in those sorts of situations. Yeah. And, and instead they, um, they let, they let it risk Russ go. And he gets that, uh, beautiful seven yard reception, beautiful to David pass Moore. to, to oh. David Moore. Um, and you know, gets him down there and they, they, you know, get a score and, and, and it's just, it's like, Oh, so we went from having this close game. Now they, they, they get that separation that they wanted before halftime and they get the ball back. Yes. Um, so that made up for one of those red drive stalls. Yeah, it really did. You know, it's, it's just, it's just so nice and refreshing to be able to, cause it's always been the, the, that's the frustrating part is it seems like it's always been there. We've just been a very poor clock management team over the last, you know, since Pete Carroll's been here, love Pete, but that's his worst, uh, coaching game day coaching trait is his clock management skills. Oh yeah. He's and this thing, I mean, you, <laughs> Let's put that on Russell Wilson and see what he can do yeah. the rest of the year and see who wins between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson at the end of the year. 
Um, it, it's going to be Russell Wilson. Now that 17-yard touchdown. Uh, speaking of David Moore, uh, in the back of the uh, in the in the back corner as well. That was a good um, catch. David, David Moore is really stepping up this year and being a consistent player and... that he wasn't the last three years. Yeah, I mean, like last year and the year before, he would show flashes of being really good, but then he would disappear for like three games, and you'd be like, "Is he still on the team?" Um, and it wasn't for lack of playing time. It wasn't like the team, you know, was he just wasn't getting open and wasn't making plays. And this year he's been much more consistent at using his skills and doing the things that he does well. And as man, I got to tell you, it makes the Philip Dorsett injury so much easier to take. Like no one's even talking yes. about Dorsett. Like he, people have to, or be Josh like, Gordon, people have to be reminded that Philip Dorsett's still on the roster. Uh, yeah. And what are we going to, and we're going to have to make decisions. I mean, Freddie Swain's got to go somewhere. He's been looking good. You've got David Moore. You're, are you going to take snaps away from David Moore? I don't think you're taking snaps away from either of those guys. You're going to. So what happened? I mean, do you, do you avoid Josh Gordon's contract? Like it never happened. I mean, how did, what's, what's, what's going on here? Well, David? it doesn't look like Josh Gordon, like no, there's no movement on the Josh it's crazy. Gordon That's crazy. So right there. the Seahawks signed him with the idea that, Okay, if he gets reinstated, we'll have an asset. Um, but he's not like even though it makes no sense that he hasn't been reinstated, there must be something else going on um in all of that because he it's just hanging out there. Um it's it's the Dorset thing. If Dorset gets healthy and he's ready to come back, he was set to be the third receiver and his speed mm, really I still think that we can use him as a fourth re- receiver just for breaking the defense open. Yeah. I mean, his speed, because now you've got three guys who can go deep. So you're really relocating the safeties back, but then you also Plus Freddie Swain. I mean, Freddie Swain's got four, four, five speed, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not the burner that Lockett and Metcalf and, and Dorsett are, but it doesn't mean he can't get back. He can't get deep. Um, but he, especially if you throw all four guys out at the same time. Yeah. Because the, the safeties are going to be backing up and, what you're going to do is you're going to set up route combinations because they don't know which of those guys are going it's, deep. It's crazy. Um, and so, you know, with more and the other, th- you know, the other three guys, you don't know who's going deep, you know, somebody is, um, but you're, you're making everyone think. And that's just, if you're making defenders think that's great news for the offense. And so it's, it's going to be interesting, but at the same time, like who do you take snaps away from? Are you going to take snaps away from Freddie Swain, the way he's playing? He's been he's playing really well and playing really smart. Um, with the only way that you do is if Philip Dorsett is better than Freddie Swain, you know. And I think you need to have an opportunity to see if that is the case. I mean, Philip Dorsett has been a reliable thirty to forty catch guy for four or five years. He hasn't lived up to his first round status, but he's still a quality uh, receiver that that. Um, that is really good at extending uh, plays and, and extending the field. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So I want to come back to this idea that the Seahawks didn't play, not didn't play well, but just didn't play up to the first three game level. Um, Well, I mean, they let Seattle led by 16 points in the fourth quarter on the road. They, didn't score on two of their red zone what was the, um, what was the drives, score but hold, with 20 seconds on. left in the first half hold on Miami's longest completion on the day was 26 yards only two plays gained over 20 yards on the day 
You already talked about KJ Wright having a really great day. He had three pass defense. Two of those could have been easy interceptions. You talked about Ryan Neal playing 100% of the snaps. Ryan Neal, what? An interception, six tackles, two pass breakups for Ryan Neal. He's the fifth ranked safety pro, pro, pro football focus mm-hmm. with a minimum of 100 snaps. Lugo Amadi, 68% of the snaps, thought he played, again, really well. Shaq Griffin gave up allowed one, one reception, reception for 11, 11 yards, yards. Yeah. had an interception and three pass after, breakups. After, having, after really struggling against Dallas. Um, yeah. To come out and, and and just play better, but you know who didn't play well? Flowers. Yeah, Trey Flowers. Hundred percent of the snaps and hundred percent of the bad plays. <laughs> he he really struggled. Um, well, not a hundred percent. Cody Barton's thrown in there as well. Travers Homer's thrown in there. I mean, there's some players that you mm-hmm. you could throw into the uh, the bad bucket, but there are a lot more players that you really you could talk about yeah. having pretty decent games. Flowers. Chris Carson. 16 carries, 80 yards. I thought Chris Carson, after having that freaking Tristan Hill guy, twisted up his knee in the previous game, came back, responded really well to practicing all week, came back, said he was going to play, ended up playing, 16 carries, 80 yards, and all of them looked tough and strong and the old Chris Carson that we that we know. So that's that's amazing. Are we underestimating the Seahawks, Keith? I don't know. Um, I... That defense could not, it just felt like they could not get a stop on third down unless they were in the red zone um, all game. It was just, uh, did Miami ever punt? <laughs> um, I don't know. Because I don't remember them punting the ball. And because every time they got the ball, it was either a Fitzpatrick interception or they drove the length of the field and got a field goal. Well, they did have five field goals. Yes. That's five, yeah. five scoring drives. And against plus a plus a touchdown drive. So that's six six scoring drives plus, you know, they probably had what nine overall. Two uh one was intercepted by Neil, uh, and one was intercepted by Griffin. So there's eight drives right there. Punting. I think they only he had, had one nine. he had one punt. So they had nine drives total. Yeah, they had one punt all game. It's not like Miami's a good team. And you can only force one punt all game. You give up six scoring drives. Now, they're lucky that they were playing Miami and not, um, you know, Green Bay or St. Louis or even Arizona, you know, teams with more offensive talent. Because they're going to, those teams are going to Well, gonna we're going to find out. Those teams are going to turn those red zone opportunities into seven instead of six more often. And in the end, like, the the defense has to step up. They've got to be better. They've got to be better on third down. It's they didn't give up the big plays in this one. They gave up eight. No, the that was before. a difference maker. They gave up, um, you know, one in this game. It, w- it was a big difference maker, and it allowed them to force field goals instead of giving up touchdowns. Um, but at the same time, they weren't getting off the field on third down, and they haven't been all season. It's a it is a problem. They they have to get better on defense. Since 2002, 53 teams have started 4-0. 44 have made the playoffs. 16 have made it to the Super Bowl. On all four of those teams averaged 12 wins. But no Seahawks team has ever started 5-0, Keith. Um, we could we could go 5-0 if we can beat the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota, when we looked at the schedule, when we were 
predicting wins and losses. Every indication was that Minnesota was going to be in the hunt along with Green Bay, along with Dallas, along with New Orleans, along with the 49ers and the Seahawks to get those playoff uh, spots. And Minnesota just has not been able to do it. Uh, they come into that Sunday night game next weekend against the 4-0 Seahawks at 1-3. and um, Minnesota's losses um, have been to the Packers, 43-34 to uh, against the Colts. 28 to 11 and against the Titans 31 30. Those are all three very difficult teams. Uh, and then they beat the Texans 31 to 23. And now they face the Seahawks. I mean, you could argue Minnesota after, after the Seahawks game will have faced one of the toughest schedules in the NFL and likely at one and four after the Seahawks game. Um, that's, that's, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough early season schedule, I have to say. It is. They also haven't been very good. I mean, you look at, um, they were supposed to be uh, one of the top three defenses in the league, especially after they made that trade for Yannick in the middle, to, you know, to give them like another elite pass rusher. And that defense has just been getting carved up. Um, they've given up at least 28 points in every game. Uh, they've given up 31 and two and 43 against the Packers. Um, yes. They just are giving up points like crazy. And they, they just, <laughs> there's no, there's and cousins turning the ball over. Yeah. And that's, that's been the, the other difference. Thing. Well, and cousins is living up to more of his talent level. He throws, I mean, for, he didn't have a turnover against the Texans, but in, in the first three weeks he had six interceptions, which led the NFL. Yeah. Um, he's been, been kind of a turnover machine and honestly they they missed digs on the outside at receiver because his ability to stretch the field mm. opened things up um underneath for guys like Thelian and, and uh the rest of you know that receiving core and without him out there they don't really have that deep threat so teams are are coming up a little bit more they're they're squeezing uh everything a little bit because they just don't well they're one-dimensional now yeah they, so you know dalvin cook has 311 yards rushing in the last two games. Yeah, he's been... And the rest of their offense is anemic. Yeah, Dalvin Cook's been good. And they, they've they got a, an offensive line that's doing a good job of open, opening holes for Cook, too. Um, but This is really going to test the Seahawks. I don't... And the philosophy of the Minnesota Vikings. It, Do, can, so here's the problem that the Minnesota Vikings have. they got to keep up with Russell Wilson uh-huh. and Seattle's offense with Dalvin Cook as their running back with no other offensive options. Yeah. You, That's you've, the problem. You've got Dalvin Cook. He's your best offense. Do you stick with that? Uh, even though, you know, Seattle's got uh, Russell Wilson and their high-powered offense, um, do you stick with Dalvin Cook and lean on that? Or do you go, away, do you go away from it and give it Considering to Considering C- the Seahawks are third in the NFL and defending the run. Now, that could be a little uh, misleading, but nonetheless, uh, Seattle is decent at defending the run. I don't they okay. They are good. They they gave up a couple of big plays early in the Atlanta game, and then they kind of tightened it up. And then the score got away from Atlanta, and they threw all it all the time. But if you look what Seattle did to Ezekiel Elliott, he never really got going. He yes. never really, you know, was able to string together you know two three runs in a row that were that were good positive runs. And they did a good job there. And that's one of the. It is kind of the strength of Seattle's defense is they are a good run stuffing um, defense. 
They, I would love to have snacks, Harrison, for this game. But they can't. They can't defend the past to save their life, and so. Um, right, but it, but then we're dealing with cousins. Yeah, now he's a great dink and dunk guy, an underneath guy. He's he's not bad. He just he's he's very bad at the end of games when he has to win a game for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, for uh, forty minutes uh, of a of a football game, uh, forty five minutes, um, he's he's a decent quarterback, and we may have issues trying to stop their offense from going up and down the field. Now the question will will be: Can we keep them out of the end zone for touchdowns, and um, can we generate some turnovers? And I think those are going to be keys as well. Yeah, I mean, and he's kind of, he's been a turnover machine this year, and uh, with the Seahawks being able to you know pull uh, Diggs and Neal up a little closer to the line, and and uh, you. Flowers isn't going to have to be going to have to worry about getting beat over the top as much just because they don't have what's going on with Dunbar this year. I mean, we knew Dunbar was kind of susceptible to injury, but I'm a little concerned it's so early in the season. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know. Uh, that's, that's the problem is we don't really know. Like he, uh, Pete Carroll said that, yeah, it's, you know, his knee's a little sore and, and it's, kind of week to week, day to day. We'll see. They kind of expected that he might play in this one, but then he never practiced. So um, we knew he wasn't going to. Uh, We'll see. It might be one of those things where they're just trying to wait it out until the bye week and give him, you know, that extra time off and then bring him back. And so they're not, don't rush him back. Um, Being 4-0 and playing against a team that's 1-3 that can't throw the ball deep gives you an opportunity to to wait. And a bye week left uh, next. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. This Flowers has not been good in coverage, but he does tackle well. He's good against the run. And when he doesn't have to worry about speed on the guy in front of him, he's not bad. Um, it's just that when you put him in a situation where he's worried about his lack of speed getting the best of him, he starts bailing on routes early and gives up a lot of receptions underneath. And that's what happened to him. Devontae Parker just ate him alive. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I I just don't think that the, you know, the key to the game is basically stop Minnesota's rushing uh, attack, get an early lead and for, force Cousins to beat you, which he can't. He, he, yeah, he um, that's the formula to win. And, it, you know, and, and until that changes, that's the way it's going to be. But, um, you know, I thought always thought that Minnesota had a, a really pretty decent uh, defense especially after Yannick uh, Nogokwe mm-hmm. um, w- was signed on there. And then um, they've got Michael Pierce at defensive tackle, Daniel Hunter, Anthony Harris at safety, Anthony Barr at linebacker. It's a good nucleus of, of players there. But they just haven't been able to stop anybody. I mean, the Packers 43, Colts 28, Titans 31. Um, they did they did hold the Texans down. The, col- but the, the Colts, Texans offense, are a hard time the Colts offense isn't great. Um the Titans offense, you know, I mean, it's Ryan Tannehill's played well this year, but does anyone trust Ryan Tannehill yet at, at, to say that he's like a difference maker, um, you know, as a quarterback? I don't know. Like uh, they even gave up um, 23 to uh, the Texans who, I mean, they, they are a quarterback with nothing around him just really struggling at all facets of, of uh, generating any kind of, of offense because they don't really have a running game and they don't have any wide receivers anymore because they traded 
Hopkins and never really replaced him. I mean, they're they're just a mess. And they still gave up 23 points to them. So I I just don't know how good this defense is. And I am kind of surprised. I thought they were going to be better. Yeah. Now I, I I hear you. Yeah, it's hard to know what to make of Minnesota. You know, I are they going to come on? Uh, I don't believe that they're going to come on against the Seahawks. And I'm not familiar with the rest of their schedule. Uh, but uh, the Packers seem to be dominating that division, and uh, and that'll be the end of it. Um, and then with with the other NFC teams that are strong, Minnesota's probably on the outside looking in already at one and three. Not not very many one and three teams come back and, and get into the playoffs, especially uh, considering I think that it's likely they'll be one and four after this game. So. Well, that and you're looking at the uh, Packer team that's four and zero, oh, and and uh, Packers look good, legit. They, I mean, they, they really legit. do. They, so that means Minnesota's chasing a wild card spot. Um, right. You know, Chicago's three and one. You've got the entire NFC West that thinks they're going to be, you know, in it. You've got um, there's just other teams. They've got a they've got a lot of ground to make up just to to try and get to like ten and six. Right. If they're if they end up one and four yeah. after this game, you got to get to ten and six to make the playoffs. Right. That means they got to go nine and two after that. Yeah, that's not going to happen with two games against Green Bay. Seattle <laughs> only if Seattle wins this game, we only have to go at seven, uh, seven and five to be or seven and four the rest of the way, something like that to be twelve and twelve and four. four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Then you're talking like first round by kind of kind of level. Well, I know that's what it's, just it's crazy. starting five and zero would be great. Um, which I'm, that's what I would predict in this one. Now, if you go back to our our, um, <laughs> oh, I am. Our, I'm um, looking at them right now. <laughs> oh, okay. So you can go go back to our thing because you had you had the yeah. Seahawks winning this and getting to five and zero going. Into I did the bye have week. them going to five and zero. It's crazy and, how this is kind of playing out. And I had them losing this game and dropping to three and two. Right. Um, Right. But I had four losses on the, on the, after the bye week and you had them with three losses mm-hmm. after the bye week and you had them at 11 and five and I had them at 12 and four. Now I think that it's likely they still get to 12 and I mean, they're going to get, I think to 12 and four. The question is, can they get to 13 and three or can they get to the mythical 14 and two? Um, because who are you afraid of on this on the schedule, uh, the remaining schedule, maybe the bills, bills at the bills. And then everything else is totally doable. Even in our own division, mm-hmm. um, th- those games are doable. Now it's hard to win like, two times against your own division. I get that. So maybe one of those Cardinals games comes off. Maybe the Rams, the way that they're playing. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe, but that's it. But even if you go three and three in the division and let's say you lose the game against uh, the Bills. You're still, still looking 12 at a 12 and 4, and four record. Right. Um, that won the division last year for the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so you look at that. I mean, who do they look at some of the games they have left, right? Um, they've still got to play the Jets, the Giants. You got to play Eagles, a little bit of defense Washington. in the playoffs, though. So that's going to be the test. But I'm, just as far as getting there, you have the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles, and Washington yeah. still on your schedule. Yeah. Show me anything that those four teams have done that make you think that they're capable of uh, even giving Seattle a reasonable game. That's why if you if you get to this 5-0 and situation, I, I do honestly believe that was one of the tougher parts of the schedule. Um, it's always difficult to open 
5 and 0. The Seahawks have never opened 5 and 0. They've gone 4 and 0 twice. Both those teams ended up in the Super Bowl. They uh, when you take a look at after the bye schedule, you've got at Cardinals, 49ers at the Seahawks, Seahawks at Bills, Seahawks at Rams, Cardinals at Seahawks, Seahawks Eagles at the Eagles, Giants at the Seahawks, Jets at the Seahawks, Seahawks at the Washington Red not the, the Washington football team, uh, the Rams at the Seahawks, Seahawks at 49ers. There's not a single game on there that I'm afraid of, right? Mm-hmm. Even the Bills. I think the Seahawks can go in and smack the Bills. Why not? Like nobody, the Bills have a, a decent defense, but they're not equipped to handle a guy like Russell Wilson. No team is equipped to handle a guy like Russell Wilson. That's the thing is when you've got a guy like Russell Wilson and you've finally taken the handcuffs off and let him play, he is going to put up points and giving him carve you up, giving him a weapon like DK Metcalf and another, you know, and uh, Tyler Lockett and then throwing in a very good, competent running game behind Chris Carson. Like that offense is going to move the ball. They are going to score points. And it doesn't matter who they're playing. Right. They just need to slow somebody down just enough. Yeah. And that can, can include turnovers. So, Which is so far I think the Seahawks running. have, have yeah, I think the Seahawks have an interesting formula. If they can get just a little better on defense, I think, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is possible. You get Adams back. Everybody gets a little more comfortable. Dunbar comes back. You start playing. You get Flowers out of there. You start playing. You know, you're, you're a little bit more solid. Um, their pass rush, can, maybe Snacks comes in, solidifies that center of that defense. Um, and then the, the, and by just virtue of osmosis, <laughs> the outside edges become better because, uh, the whole unit is now operating in, in sync. And so how many, that's, snaps my, did, that's my pie in the sky kind how of, how many a, snaps outlook. did Robinson play in this game? Alton Robinson. I don't know have the snap count in front yeah. of me, but I think it was around 20. Yeah. He didn't seem to play much and no. I was expecting him to get more run. Yeah. Um, he's sharing time with, with uh, DeMontre Moore, which is interesting. So DeMore actually had more snaps than Robinson in this game. Which? I believe. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a little frustrating, honestly. Um, and Moore, I, honestly, I just don't recall ever calling out his name. Yeah, that's that's the thing is. He he didn't play. He didn't. And play. Robinson I mean, had that tremendous tackle uh, in the backfield um, uh, that that kind of saved a score mm-hmm. at one at one point towards the end of the game there. So yeah, I mean it's Robinson's a playmaker. So I got a I got a one more little thing I wanted to run through you. Um, I just want to call out a bunch of players and have you tell me uh, what you like so far and what you're hoping to see. Uh, we're one quarter of the way through the year what you're hoping to still see uh, from that, that person, uh, Russell Wilson. Please just keep it going. You don't need to do more. Don't try and do too much. Just do what you've been doing um, and lead this team. Chris Carson. I need to see him. Uh, he's, he's held onto the ball, which has been very important, but I want to see him. Uh, stay healthy for a few games and, and he just seems to always be banged up and and on that and we haven't really seen Carlos Hyde get in sync yet of course Rashad Penny's sitting out there Carlos um, Hyde on IR. didn't play this week injured shoulder um and it, it, the thing was we you and I both expected Carson to, to sit this game out because of the knee after the stupid play in Dallas and for Carlos Hyde to get an opportunity to show that he is you know 
a top flight running back, which he has been when healthy his entire career. When healthy. But instead, Hyde comes up uh, lame with a bad shoulder in practice, misses the game, and, and Carson's out there on, you know, half a leg, you know, with his knees sore um, and grinding the ball out and doing a great job. So, And then we were handing the ball off to, I want to get comments on Travis Homer and then the potential idea of DJ Dallas. So, so tra- talk to me about that situation. Travis Homer, four carries for five yards. Guy is not a running back. He just isn't. And, um, but that's know, painfully obvious. Yeah. Four carries. What did you say? Four carries, five yards. Yeah. yeah. And Oof. in one of the games, it was two carries for negative two yards. One of them, it was like four carries for negative one yards. Travis Homer did have a touchdown. He did, but it was a receiving touchdown. And I'll tell you this. Um, he had a blitz pickup. Um, yes. With a guy coming clean and he had to slide across, pick it up and he did it beautifully. Um, and it opened up big play for, for Russell Wilson. Um, and he catches the ball out of the backfield extremely well, had a touchdown catching the ball out of the backfield. Travis Homer has a role. He's also been, um, pretty good on, uh, kickoffs too. I mean, no, he hasn't. He hasn't been, he just, you can't say that a guy just because he doesn't drop the ball has been good. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been bad. He's getting the ball. Um, when he does get it, he's getting it out to the 25. He looks timid. Uh, I think he's been fine. Freddie Swain, um, DJ Dallas. Talk to me about DJ Dallas in in Homer's role. Uh, I would, I'd like to see DJ DJ Dallas get more playing time because he has. Me too. He has a lot of the same. He attributes. showed me a lot of juke in one play that Homer never shown me. He has a he has a lot of the same attributes in the passing game that Homer gives you, but he gives you that inside running that Homer never will. And he just, therefore, you have to respect that he's going to run the ball, that the team will hand it to him when he's in there. You don't really have to respect that they're going to hand the ball to Homer, because even if they do, he you come up and stop him. Um, what you have to be ready for is the pass. Well, okay, that means pass rushers know what's going on. Um, why, why if you, you know, Travis Homer's generally in there to catch the ball out of the backfield. Most defenses know that. He's not getting a tremendous amount of handoffs. Chris Carson's you know, 16 carries or 18 carries or whatever for 80 yards. But as soon as Homer comes in there and touches the ball, it's a negative play. I'm just wondering what defenses are seeing. Uh, if they're scheming that uh, poorly on Seattle's uh, part, uh, why hasn't Seattle been able to generate positive plays for Homer? Or is it all a Homer th- problem? Is it all his fault? I think it's just, um, he's just not a guy. Th- He's not a guy that breaks tackles. Um, any contact, well, he, any contact. He's been getting hit behind down. the line of scrimmage. I mean, true, yeah. but Car- Chris Carson gets hit behind the, behind the line of scrimmage a lot, and you know what he does? He bounces off of it, bounces off another guy, and picks up four yards. Um, and that's why he's so successful, and it's why uh, Homer's not. It's because yeah, there's that contact, and Homer goes down. Carson doesn't. Hyde doesn't. And honestly. I want to see what DJ Dallas does because he's only had a couple of plays, but I liked what I've seen from him on those two plays. Um, What happened to uh, Tyler Lockett in this game? I don't know. He was, he just wasn't getting open. He had that really bad drop um, in there. Right in his hands. I mean, it was, was it late in the third quarter when he finally got his first catch? Um, 
Yeah. yeah, I think he picked up a first down or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just he had two catches in this game, and it was just not a not a great game for him. Um, I don't know if it was that they were scheming um how like to stop him and take him away from Seattle, uh, or if it was just the way the play calls were 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 run where they were just basically running him um at a safety to freeze a safety and open up other things or or what because I haven't had a chance to go back and review um the all twenty two uh in great detail. So I don't know. I I was disappointed with the drop because I feel like that's the first drop since I don't know. Yeah, and I think if he would have had that, it may have gotten him going, you know. But Mm -hmm. uh, after that, it just kind of didn't really set up for him at all. How about uh, DK Metcalf? So DK Metcalf didn't score in this game, but he still had four catches for over 100 yards. Yeah. And he's on track for a monster year. Honestly, like that one catch where he, it was just a quick, um, like a bubble screen type of thing where they threw it over to him right on the sidelines behind the line of scrimmage and he caught it and turned up field and just made someone look foolish, uh, stiff armed another player to the ground and got to the one before he stepped out of bounds. Um, yeah, I thought he was going to get in. I really was hoping he was going to get in just cause he, he earned it on that. He play. worked so hard. Um, yeah, exactly. but you know, the guys he's making plays and teams are working really hard to slow him down because he's such a dominant player. Uh, you look at what, you know, New England did and, and, you know, they put Gilmore on him all game and it didn't matter. And other team, teams have been double teaming him like crazy either. And then he's still making plays. He's still at four catches. Okay, you know, that's four catches. It'd be nice if he had more, but he had a hundred and what was it, 105 yards. Um, I mean, he's been great. How well is Ethan Posick playing right now? Ethan Posick is playing extremely well. He looks really comfortable at center. He didn't allow a pressure or, or a hit or a sack. No, in this game. he's playing really well. And the other thing is they're pulling him um, in the run game on the outside runs. They're allowing him to get out in front occasionally. Um, he's played a hundred percent of the snaps so far this year. Yep. For a guy that stayed healthy, the guy that's had for a guy that's had injury problems. That's phenomenal. That's a guy that's fighting to keep his job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going through, playing through injury, whatever it takes. But you know what? He, if he, I don't think he's playing through injury. He's looked really. He hasn't looked like he's been injured. He does look good. He looks good. He looks. His technique is solid. He's making good calls on the line. Um, How about Brandon Shell versus Jermaine Fetty? Do we even need to have that conversation? <laughs> what is Brandon Shell doing that Fetty never could do? Move his feet. That's the big difference. Jermaine uh, Fetty is bigger. He is stronger. He is way more muscular. Um, but he's got concrete shoes. He just can't move his feet uh, fast enough for the speed rushers. Or he has to cheat to do it. Yeah. And get called for, um, you know, false start or hold. And he just can't handle the speed rushers on the outside. He's, he never has. He never will. Um we didn't have any penalties in this game, including again from the offensive line. I think that the previous uh, game we had two penalties on the offensive line, and this one none. Yeah, um, I mean, just and then we substituted uh, quite a few uh, snaps. Uh, you know, Jamarco Jones was in there. Abuahe we had mentioned before. Simmons. Simmons played a, a all lot. had time. Yeah, 
Although seeing Lewis in there for some of the snaps was encouraging just because, you know, he hurt that knee. We were thinking, oh, God, he's going to be out for a while and all of that. Um, he, he played for part of the game. Uh, Simmons played for part of the game there. Both of them looked looked um, looked fine. Uh, I'm glad they were they didn't like uh, force Lewis to play the whole game on a sore knee. Um, but they've been good. I mean, I guess Shell's been he has been steady. Is he spectacular? No. He's not going to be a pro bowler at right tackle. He's not opening massive lanes the way Jermaine Effetti could in, in, in the running game, but he's not given up a lot of pressures. We seem to penalties. be an above average line this year, and that's all we've ever asked for. Yeah, we've he, All we've ever asked for is a top 15 line because we knew with the top 15 line, Russell Wilson could be great, and that's turning out to be true. Yeah. Cause he's phenomenal and you give him a, you give him a little bit of time, a little bit of half a second. You just and increase him half a second. And that's all the difference in the world. It is. And the line, the line has been good. Um, you know, Brown's been, you can tell Brown's healthy uh, at mm-hmm. left tackle. He does not have a hundred percent of the snaps. That bicep injury that just really hurt him last year. It was 88 degrees and 75% humidity. And Brown played a hundred percent of the snaps at 33 years old. Mm-hmm. But he, he looks 34. He looks as good as he's as he ever looked in in um in Houston. I'm I'm been really happy with uh with his play this year. And I mean Mike Lupati hasn't been bad. He hasn't been He looked actually really good. He hasn't He been, had one uh Chris Carson run where he was uh rubbed off on his initial block and was into the uh, second level and I thought he looked dominating on this particular play. He, I can't remember what the run was. He always he always has those plays. Um he's kind of a He's kind of the um, turn it on, turn it off. Well, he thing. he's a lot like Fluker was, right? At one play, he'll dominate, and you'll be like, "Wow!" And then the next, like two or three, he'll just not have the right technique going, or or you know, misread something. He's not a great player. He at one point he was, he was younger, he was a little more athletic. Um, injuries have kind of taken their toll. He's smart, and he plays. Um, he doesn't make a lot of like he doesn't make a lot of mental mistakes, but he's just not as physically talented as he once was um, because of all the injuries and stuff. He's been okay. And last year he was pretty bad this year. He's been okay. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Brown's been better and Posick's been significantly better than anything the Seahawks had at center last year. And when you're surrounded by better, you trust those guys more. The communication's good. It makes your job easier. And he's been fine. When Jones comes in for him, which he's played, um, in three of the four games at the uh, summit left guard, he's looked good. He's looked fine. Um, it isn't like a huge drop off. There's no drop off. Yeah. Whatsoever. You know, Simmons is coming in at playing at right guard and, and has played uh, the last two weeks and has looked good. Um, he's been a pleasant surprise. He's another guy that has always been good, but never healthy. Um, and so for him to be healthy and continue to play and, and that it's great for him and his career. It's also great for the Seahawks. So uh, it's funny. Uh, Simmons was has been so injured in his entire career. He only played three college games at USC. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, and that was that's how injured he was. Yeah, and and that was <laughs> it, it, the fact that he even got an opportunity in the I NFL. Know. And that's crazy, and, right? And made a roster and all of that um, is incredible. And this is one of the few things that you I. Um, have to say something positive about Tom Cable about is that, you know, this was, he was a Tom Cable project. He, he, he saw the physical attributes. 
saw that no so has he been hanging around that long no plankton yes he has been hang, playing hanging around that long That's crazy. um tom cable's last year was um was simmons's you know first time and he came in and played a couple of games at right guard and looked really good and then got hurt and went on um on injured reserve but those two games were really promising and then he missed the entire next season on injured reserve also uh, <laughs> And this is right. really the first opportunity that we've, um, you know, got a chance to see him uh, with some reg- semi-regular playing time, and he's continued to play well and look good. So if you think about it in terms of that, that that's seven players, right? The, the, the offensive line is seven players deep um, of people who are playing. And we well. haven't even seen Finney. We haven't seen Finney. Our, our prized... Uh, offensive lines, uh, free agent signing of the off season. No, but Postic's been so good. It didn't, doesn't matter. And honestly, you would think they'd work BJ Finney into, you know, playing guard just a little bit. Um, the, the Seahawks have knows? never, if you look under, under Pete Carroll, the Seahawks have never brought their backup center in to play guard. Um, I mean, they, they will in a game because of, you know, there's someone who can, is BJ Finney the backup center or is Kyle Fuller at this point? I haven't looked at the depth chart lately. Uh, BJ Finney would be the backup center. Um, and Fuller is never active on game day. Um, gotcha. And so they, they don't like to do that because if you have both your centers playing, you just become really susceptible to injury at the key um, position on the offensive line where you your offense dies if you don't have a center. Um, because you can't, you know, the, the, the snaps are, the exchanges are bad and, and all of that. It just becomes a, a major mess. So they just really haven't um, been able, they've never really done that. And so I, to me, that was always a little bit frustrating because they had, um, they had some decent players over the years uh, as the backup center and they wouldn't play them. They'd play someone else at guard and it's like, okay, or you could play them at guard and just sign another center if you're that worried about it. Um but that's kind of in their thing. So in addition to Jason Myers and Michael Dixon, pretty much playing flawless football so far this year, yes, they have. special teams is overall ranked uh, second uh, DBOA um, as a, as a unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's going on with special teams this year that's different than it has been for the last several years? I don't know. Um, after last season, there was a lot of calls for, um, Schneider to be replaced uh, as the special teams coordinator. And everyone was kind of disappointed that it didn't happen. They were disappointed that it didn't happen when, you know, Shoddy and, and uh, Norton came in as the, you know, when they, when they did that whole change, they left mm-hmm. Schneider there and I was like, mm, okay. Um, but the special teams have been good. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just consistency with the, uh, you know, Tyler Ott at uh long snapper and just those three guys getting a chance to work together. Um, and just everything is just working flawlessly. Myers has been good. I mean, let's, let's say what it is. Cause I know people were really hard on him last year, even though statistically he was fine. Um, he's been good this year. Yeah. Straight no, up. he's been excellent, right? So perfect. Perfect on the year uh, so which, far. Which is, which is amazing. And um, of course, they're, yeah, not, they're been, not asking him to do a lot. because No, but that 55-yard field goal was legit in that heavy air in, in Miami. Oh, and not only was it legit, but it could have been from 60. 
I mean, it, it, it didn't just get over the bar. <laughs> so, um, so a couple, couple more players. Uh, what do you think of Puna Ford this year? Puna Ford's been good right up the middle. Uh, he's a big, I thought he's been solid. He's been really, and he's been moving around, not just in a box. Yeah. He's been moving up and down the line of scrimmage, which I mm-hmm. really haven't noticed. He, uh, he's a before. very horizontal player and his ability to get, um, you know, laterally when, when teams are, are running, especially when they start running that outside zone, he moves laterally. Well, isn't getting a lot of penetration and therefore isn't really helping at the, the lack of pass rush, but that's not his job. His job as a nose tackle is to eat blocks and, um, you know, be a run stuffer. And I think he's doing well. How do you think uh, LJ Collier is doing? He's been up and down. Um, the fact that I mean, he's he seems re- to be defending the run pretty good. He is defending the run. Like he's defending the run r- really well. He's not really getting upfield and getting pressure on the passer quite as much as the team needs him to. Um, but that's kind of not who he is. I mean, he's a guy that doesn't have that quick t- twitch speed. He's a guy that, that um, is built around strength and you know a bull rush and and you know winning that way and it makes him good against the run and not as good against the pass but he's also made some key plays uh, at key moments at key moments you know he had mm-hmm. the the first big pass rush play um of the season for Seattle now it ended up being intentional grounding and he didn't get credit for a sack but um you know in the first game he made a big play there and in this game there was uh Fitzpatrick got sacked and the three guys that um, were all there were Collier, Monet and Rush, right? That is a lot of run (laughs) stuffing beef that just made it to the quarterback somehow. I mean, that's like, um, that's that's like a thousand pounds of player. That's probably more than a thousand pounds of player Um, all getting to the quarterback all at once. Um, and, you know, so he's, he has had some plays. He's also disappeared at times because he just doesn't win um, often enough on those pass rush snaps. So where would this team be without Ryan, Neal, and Ugo Amari? Oh, they'd be playing trouble. <laughs> yeah. Two, two players. Uh, Amari didn't get hardly any snaps last year. You can barely count it. And Ryan Neal off the practice squad, a three-year practice squad type player. Uh, coming in and and making plays all over the field for the Seahawks defense when it desperately needs playmakers. Yeah, I mean, um, both of those guys have been good. The thing is, so Amadi was supposed to be the nickel player last year, and the team just never trusted him. And then when he finally played at the and end, and he was he, supposed to play, it be this year. Well, and then he was going to get bumped by Blair. He got bumped by Blair because they went to the this big nickel um, where they were really playing three safeties instead of a a traditional nickel corner, um, which I didn't have any problem with. I mean, it looked good and you, it, whatever you got to do to get a player like Blair on the field, you do it. Um, and you know, Blair got hurt and Amadi came in and, and they've, they've switched up a little bit how they're using the nickel now and they're playing him more like a corner. Um, but he's been good. He's been great. Um, you could argue he's their, been their best corner or at least their most consistent corner. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Year. I mean, Griffin's really come on the last couple of games, but uh, overall, uh, Amadi, I mean, he's just been in on a lot of tackles and and sure tackler and uh, breaking up plays and um, pass defense. And yeah, I just can't say enough about the way Amadi's been playing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been one of those, uh, su- not necessarily completely surprised, but it's just been a real nice uh, 
revelation to be able to have a player in there that looks like maybe he could play there for a long time for the Seahawks. Now, what do you do with Blair as time goes on? I don't know. Um, but uh, some somehow or another, it all needs to fit together. I, I will trust the Seahawks coaching staff to figure that out. What about Ken Norton Jr., Keith? We keep going back to this idea that maybe it's scheme-oriented. Um, and, and this, and, and teams have got the Seahawks figured out and, and they, they definitely play a conservative brand of, of football when they're up by two scores and they're allowing teams to throw all over the place on them, but they're still winning games. Where does that formula break down eventually? I don't know. Um, I, I don't really know what to think of Kent Martin Jr. at this point. I, it's really hard to evaluate him because he built a scheme around guys that aren't out there, right? There's no, um, there's no Bruce Irvin and they, he was expecting, uh, you know, that to be a, a big portion mm-hmm. of the, the pass rush and, and, and all of that. There's no, um, Adams at strong safety. Dunbar's or not Blair. out there. Blair's gone. Um, they don't have, uh, you know, uh, Taylor as a pass rusher. You know, maybe they were counting on a little bit more pass rush. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. Well, and, and, it's hard to um, know because they should have known that, you know, when they drafted him, that it might have been a questionable situation. True, but then, you know, you, you, you're expecting Irvin to come up and be that pass rusher, and then he gets mm-hmm. hurt and he goes, okay, well, we have we have this, this first-round draft pick who's, like, the most athletic of our linebackers right now. Uh, let's turn him loose because he has the skill to do anything that Bruce Irvin can do. Um, and he instantly rolls his ankle and... Um, has been out and so that you're hurt, right that hurts too. i mean they've, it, they've had some uh, adversity yeah. but you hardly would know it i mean it hasn't it's it, the play wasn't strong to begin with in the last couple of games i've actually played incrementally better you could argue with replacement level players so it's hard to know what's what's going to happen as time goes on with this defense but i'm hoping i'm crossing my fingers that overall they improve a little bit. Now, if you look, take a look at DVOA, um, DVOA rankings, you know, the Seahawks are sixth overall currently, third offensively, third special teams, and 21st on defense, which doesn't seem quite as bad as I thought it would be. It seems like maybe they were 25th, 26th, 27th, no better than last year, but they've incrementally improved. Well, they're, overall, because but they're it's because they're not allowing any rushing at all. Yeah, they're, they've been good against the run. Um, now, granted, part of that is situ- game situation. Teams aren't trying to run on them, but when teams do try to run the, on them, they do a good job of shutting it down. I mean, the the biggest one there would have been um, Ezekiel Elliott in the Dallas game, and they he just never really got going, never really made an impact on the game, and that's an elite running back. So um, it's the. The Seahawks are good in that, and they're getting the turnovers that they need. They're forcing field goals instead of giving up touchdowns a lot, especially against you know the, the Dolphins in this game where they give up five field goals. Um, so they're doing what they need to do. Also, so, they're also getting up big, and DVOA uh, basically discounts garbage time stuff. And so True. when the Seahawks have been giving up a lot of garbage time yards and points, um, those are discounted. But those yards. are those are discounted yards and discounted points that don't really count um, towards DVOA. So it's not surprising to me that they're that they're better. Um, Twenty one, I don't think is good enough to win a Super Bowl. Twenty first. So let's take a look at the at the uh, the prediction 
um, against the Vikings. Um, before the season, I had it as a win. Uh, I And the only reason I made that prediction, I think, I thought they were fairly even on paper, but uh, at home, I gave Seahawks the edge. You had them as a loss. Uh, you want to... Uh, have a revision Keith oh yeah um because they <laughs> they're not as I, I really expected that defense to be better than it is um especially after the trade for Yannick um you know as a pass rusher I thought they were going to be a monster up front and just give teams a lot of trouble and you got Dalvin Cook running the ball well um mm-hmm. they're going to be a defense and running uh team really take the pressure off Kirk Cousins which you have to do if you're going to win um with that you know with him as your quarterback and I thought they were going to be good. I thought they were going to compete with Green Bay for the um, for that division. But the lack of digs on the outside has really hurt that offense. It's made them very one-dimensional. Um, it's been cooking nothing. Um, Cousins has regressed this year so far. He has not looked as good as he has in the past. His last game, he was 16-22, 260 yards and one touchdown. But didn't throw an interception, yeah. which is actually a, a step in the right direction for him. But the, he only threw 22 passes. I mean, that's like a, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what a, happens. You know, Dalvin cook had 130 Dalvin cook, uh, had 181 versus the Titans, yeah. which is interesting. So, yeah. okay. What's your prediction then revised? Um, I'm going to say the Seahawks do what they got to do in this one because, uh, that defense, the front four, I still think is good, but the rest of the defense hasn't been. And you get, bad defensive backs against Russell Wilson, you're going to pay the price. Um, I see the Seahawks putting up 31. I think they can shut down Dalvin Cook. Uh, Cousins turns the ball over at least twice, and it ends up being 31-17. Nice. I have it at 31, or excuse me, 35-20. So we're thinking along the same lines. I mean, the the formula is the formula and will be the formula all year. Stop, Stop the run. Uh, defend the pass, you know, get the lead, defend the pass. Um, that seems to be the way that Seahawks are designed and set up and the way that the offense is designed to give kill shots uh, throughout the game. Um, and I, I expect Seattle to score uh, against this team. Other teams have scored against this team. The Seahawks are better offensively, uh, maybe save the Packers than any of those other teams. And um, we could score more than 35, but my 35 is my baseline. Seattle hasn't scored less than 30 this year. So, um, isn't that so, crazy? Well, they haven't, th- should be safe. they haven't scored less than 30. Yeah, I know that's, and that was with two red zone failures in this last game. I know they could have had 45, you know, and I, it's also with that, um, DK Metcalf, like brain aneurysm at the one yard line the week before where he mm. stopped running and had the ball knocked out. I mean, they're, yeah, they're, we've been leaving some points out there. And they're still scoring over 30 a game. I know. It's so it's gonna be so this year is so fun. I mean, this is just gonna be a, a blast. So all right, we need to get you out of here. we we've been uh we've been on here for, for quite a while. So enjoy the game. Sunday night. I hate the fact that I have to wait all the way through Sunday. I you know, these night games are awesome because we generally do pretty well in um prime time but it's hard to wait all day for your team to play mm-hmm. but uh, nonetheless we get rewarded with the sunday night game on nbc um so until next week uh, i get a chance to go up and watch the next game with my dad up in the pacific northwest so i'm very excited about that and i uh, get to hurry home and and then record the next show with keith uh, middle of next week so find keith on twitter at myers nfl 
I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Seahawks Playbook. And SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the uh, podcasts and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Get it in your feed every week. You don't miss a show. Next, until next time, go, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.